This is the Gambling Gauchos. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, The Money Line Matadors. The Casino Cowboys. The Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I am Rob Rohe's Kyle Jacobson. Director of Hype. Uh, what an incredible, incredible weekend we're having. I don't know about you. I just, it's been a good time. Let's ride. Gauchos country. Got to uh, shake Joey McGuire's hand yesterday. How'd that feel for you? It was good. It was my fourth time. Oh. Meeting Joey McGuire. Oh, I thought you were just counting handshakes. Well, I, same. I think I shook his hand all okay. four times. I'm sure he doesn't recognize me because he does so many of those speaking events and sees millions oh, of no, people. Oh, no, he recognizes. He was He's all like, business. Oh, that's though. Kyle. He <laughs> locked eyes with you across. It, he was about to walk off. He did not say that. We were, he was, But he was about to walk off. He saw us. He came over. He's a nice guy. We're, um, we were both wearing Gaucho's hats. I wonder if he recognizes the brand. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, well, we did see him last night at the uh, Knights of Columbus Tech Night. Uh, I'd never been to one of those. Had you been in the prior years? First time. Sixty uh, first straight. That seems like a really big accomplishment. And not seems like it is a it is a big accomplishment. So, um, uh, Rodney Allison spoke. Had a bit of a. Had a bit of a. Interview there with Gio. What are you laughing at? You get some interaction on that. No, he's funny. He had just a couple one-liners and Rodney stories. Had some that, great one-liners. It was funny. Gio was setting him up for a question about today's college football and NIL, and Ronnie was like, "Well, we had NIL back in the day. It was just a little bit, a little bit unofficial," which everybody knows. But yeah. now you can kind of yeah. say that. Well, I think, I think uh, Gio said, you didn't have an NIL deal. And he said, no, no, I had one. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I had an NIL <laughs> had deal. <laughs> so just really good. The, the whole event, well well done, well put together, um, some solid food. Uh, but I do want to talk about a little of what Joey McGuire said. Um, he kind of got up and spoke and then talked to Gio. Gio, um, Robert Giovanetti, if nobody knows who Gio is, he's the um, backup to Kirby Hocutt. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure he does a lot more, but he's the associate athletics director at Texas Tech. Um, good conversation. 
Oh, you know he has a radio background, Gio. Mm-hmm. Tech talk. Um, did anything stand out to you, like specifically? Because he talked about the scrimmage Joey McGuire did. He talked about some fall camp, but it wasn't any like breaking news. But I thought there were a few points that just kind of stuck out to me. I think really the only thing that stuck out to me was when he announced to us who the starting quarterback is. Well, but we were sworn to secrecy. Right. So we do know that, but we can't uh we can't say it. It'll be announced soon enough. Tomorrow, I think they said. Uh one thing I loved, uh, and we really got some good information on uh, James Blanchard. Um, he said him and his staff were all in a, a group text, I guess, with their wives and spouses when they were all here and the wives and spouses hadn't come to Lubbock yet. And uh, James Blanchard's wife asked James how Lubbock was. And he's like, well, we just bought our dream home. Um, I was just doing some yard work. And then when I was in the backyard, I struck gold or oil, black gold. So uh, he's a big fan. And he had already met two of his neighbors. Oh, he met the whole neighborhood. Yeah, that's what it was. I butchered the line. Joey was better at it. <laughs> uh, but he also just um, talked a lot about the coaching staff and how bought in everybody was. And I think the coaching staff being so bought in has impacted the players to be more bought in. And it just... And I know every preseason you get the same stuff, and a lot of it was just kind of milk toast coach answers from Joey McGuire. But um, even beforehand, like they're trying to start everything, and Joey McGuire's in the middle of the audience, just shaking hands and taking selfies. Well, and he did say, you know, he he didn't. I was joking earlier. He didn't tell us who the starting quarterback is. He didn't promise us that we were going to win any games. He didn't say we're going to throw the ball x amount. But he did say. We're going to make you proud, and the effort that we display is going to make you proud. He said, you'll never question how hard this team plays, how tough they are. And that goes back to the brand and everything that we've seen come out throughout the spring and summer on that. But I think they've really – that's obviously the focal point of the culture in the football facilities, and he sounded pleased with the progress that had been made in that respect. If he said, you know, we still got some young guys that haven't quite figured it out yet or – you know, we're still trying to get everybody on the same page culture-wise. I would have been like, okay, that's a little bit concerning. Or, but he he was he was pretty confident about that. He said everybody was bought in. They bought in quickly, and we are going to play hard. The toughest, most competitive, hardest working team in the country. That's their brand. That's what they want to be. I think Texas Tech, in a lot of ways, has been really close to being good in the last couple of years. Um, even going back through the Cliff Kingsbury era where you have a bunch of one-loss, one-score one games that you lose, uh, can't ever figure out a way to get an edge. Um, I think Joey McGuire is the edge. I mean, I, I truly believe that, and I don't know if it'll pay off immediately, but I think it will pay off this year, and we'll, we'll get into some bold predictions later in the show. Um, and a couple of prop bets that I think everything aligns with uh, of how I feel and, and what I think this season could be. Now, could be and will be are two different things. Uh, but I think it could be special. Uh, my favorite thing of the evening, he talked about Baylor a lot. Obviously, he was there for five years. 
um, James Blanchard, a lot of the staff, Harrison Hanna, uh, all from Baylor. Uh, Baylor grad is Hanna, uh, one of the ops guys. But every time he talked about Baylor, he said that school in Waco. Good touch. I am, I am, my brain is wired to think about branding. Everything I do uh, in work or, or with the podcast or even my personal brand, I like to be very consistent. I like to be really self-conscious about it, okay, in a good way, I think. Probably too much in some ways. Joey McGuire, I feel like, is the same. And the fact that he calls, you know, the whole brand the brand, he's just very focused. And I think that's going to pay off. What I like about that, especially, is that he didn't have some kind of like ugly divorce with Baylor. Like he'll, on a more serious note, he would tell you how much respect he still has for Dave Aranda, the, that he loved the players there, that his family loved it in Waco and at Baylor. And so, I don't know, I, I think that's cool that he's like kind of leaning into that, even though he doesn't really have any reason to be mad at Baylor or whatever. It's just, you know, hey, we're competitors now, and so... Yeah, I'm going to kind of wear a chip on my shoulder. Kind of reminded me of uh, this clip of Cliff Kingsbury when he was head coach here. And he had this meteoric rise through the coaching ranks where he was sleeping on Dana Holgerson's couch because he's like an unpaid grad assistant or whatever. Right in Houston. And then he gets, you know, bumped up to quality control and then the quarterback's coach. And then he's the offensive coordinator one season at Houston. He and someone go to A&M. And he was talking about that. He said, you know, there was two schools that Kevin Sumlin was – in serious talks with UCLA and Texas A&M and Cliff was telling this classroom full of people. He's like, you know, I had my fingers crossed, you know, we're going out to LA, we're going to live at the beach. And then someone picked A&M, I guess. Um, and so he, he just talked about that move in his career as a, a business decision. Like I didn't want to go there per se, but you know, I had a chance to be a offensive coordinator at an, at an SEC power five school. And, you know, thankfully he was only there one year, but that's kind of what that reminded me of Joey calling Baylor the school in Waco. It, it just is one of those little touches, man. Right. It's one of those little touches. And and I don't want Joey to forget his time in Baylor. I think it's really important to know where you came from and how you came up. And in a lot of ways, you know, Baylor built Joey for Texas Tech and prepared him and introduced him to a bunch of staff. If Cliff Kingsbury had had five years on a Power 5 staff – before coming to Texas Tech, I think he would have been better prepared to either bring some or have more of a, a kind of a Rolodex to roll through and hire some coordinators and stuff. So I just, I also loved uh, him talking about DeRuiter and, and why he chose him and how he chose him and how he got there and um, calling Kitley the guru. I just, I love the staff. I, they haven't coached a game. And I don't want to be disappointed, but I love the staff that that's come together here. Joey also had a bit of a deep cut talking about the quarterbacks that I don't think anybody in the room really caught. So this event is happening about 24 hours after Texas names its starting quarterback, which in a surprise to everyone was Quinn Ewers because there had been media reports. Everybody's Everybody who covers the Longhorns, their sources were saying, yeah, Hudson Card has won this battle in fall camp. Like, he started ahead, he stayed ahead, it's going to be card. And now the noise is that the boosters who gave Quinn Ewers $4 million to be there basically said, no, if we're paying this kid, he's going to be the starting quarterback. And so he, he was talking about 
the quarterback competition, just saying we've got three guys we can win with. There's not a deeper quarterback room in the country, that type of thing. And I forgot exactly what he said, but he said, you know, the way we choose our guy, we'll do it the right way. It'll be a fair process. And, you know, I, I'm proud of our quarterback situation. If one guy loses his shoe and needs to come out for a play, the next guy who goes in will, you know, do the job just as well. And he said something at the end of that thought, you know, like, you know, it's not that way at every school. Yeah. Or like, unlike some other schools in the conference or something like that. And I was like, he's talking about UT. He said it's a good problem to have. Other schools have different problems. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought that line was great. I'm 99% <laughs> sure you're talking about the Texas quarterback oh, situation. Sure. But I wanted to laugh, but the room, which was like 200, 300 people, was silent. So I was like, I don't know if anybody caught that, but that was a direct shot at UT's quarterback situation. I thought so. And even if it wasn't, it's it's one of those, it's way better to have a problem of, you know, too many good quarterbacks than not having a good quarterback at all. Or to have donors meddling or and choosing have, the quarterback yes. for you. For sure. All right, we are, uh, by the way, recording in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Uh, one of our favorite things to do, Kyle, is record in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. I have my uh, Gaucho shirt on. We both have Gaucho's hats on. Um, you can gear up for football season at Cardinals. I believe we're prepared to officially invite you on September 3rd, week one, Murray State at 7 p.m. against Texas Tech. At 12 noon, Kyle and I will be at Cardinals, along with Rojino Barbecue, Kona Shaved Ice. Um, Mama Rita's may or may not be involved. Now, they're right there in the parking lot. Uh, we'll have shade tents. We'll have a couple of games, um, some music. So come on out, see Kyle and I. Have a good time and then head to the stadium all together. Yeah, it's a great spot to come grab lunch. If you haven't tried Rahino yet, if you live out of town maybe and you're coming in for that first game, they'll have the food truck on site. And uh, we'll leave you plenty of time to get to a tailgate at the stadium if you still want to do that all afternoon. So our listeners, I'm sure, are well aware Rahino Barbecue is named Top 50 Texas Monthly. I'd put them number one. They're number one in our hearts. So really cool I think, Rob, when our sponsors kind of align like this, like when Cardinals became the official retailer of the Matadors and Rahino parks their food truck at Cardinals all the time. So excited to have kind of two sponsors there. And the event itself is sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams, another sponsor of the Gambling Gauchos podcast. So we're just thankful all around for the support. Um, you know, getting to do events like this is a lot of fun for us, and it doesn't happen without community support and support from our listeners and followers. So we really hope to see you all out there because it'd be a lot of fun to meet some of you for the first time. For sure. And that's um, September 3rd, 12 to 3-ish. I'm not going to say we're kicking everybody out at 3. I, I mean, the game's at 7. Um, so we'll we'll have plenty of time to, you know, tailgate there and then go down and tailgate by the stadium too for Raider Alley and all that stuff. Uh, week 1. Uh, I wonder... They haven't announced yet. I wonder who's going to be... Um, either singing or DJing there at Raider Alley. We had, what was it, Shaq? Yeah. Is that week one? I think so. The first game. Well, I guess you started in Houston, maybe. Yeah, but the so first week home two, game was But Shaq. yeah, the, the home opener, yeah. Wow. Couldn't get bigger than that, but... Uh, well, and uh, this the Texas Tech Centennial is, I guess, does that start in January? Is that going to be all year? I haven't heard maybe anything January about that. January and next, Probably next fall? Probably January of 23. Yeah, and then and then next fall is going to be pretty big. I've just heard uh, Dr. Skuvenik, like 
um, allude to it, how incredible it's going to be. Apparently, they have like a bunch of stuff planned. So uh, maybe that's next year. I think that's something a lot of our fans and alumni don't fully appreciate about Texas Tech is we are younger than just about any peer institution. You know, go look at when our Big 12 conference mates were founded. We're the youngest university out of all of them. And even just other kind of like regional, look at Colorado, Colorado State, Arizona, Arizona State, people like that. We're a young university, and we've accomplished a lot in less than a century. The other thing is we pretty much launched and are trying to get started during the Great Depression. And then as soon as you get past that, World War II. And so some of these institutions have had the advantage of generations and generations laying the foundation Texas Tech, in a lot of ways, is a really young university. So to see us, you know, we uh, we did for our Big 12 list last week some things on, like, research expenditures, endowments. And you're right there with institutions that are 50 years older than you. And I think that is an incredible accomplishment, both on the athletic side and the education academic side. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they have planned for the centennial because I think that will be a, a very worthy celebration. <clears throat> All right, we also want to um, get to some bold predictions for Texas Tech football and maybe a couple around the Big 12 as well. Um, Kyle, in your mind, just to set this up, because I've got a lot of predictions, I I just want to hear your definition of bold to make it a bold prediction. Because, again, for the next maybe 20 minutes, we're going to be laying out bold predictions. I don't want people to be like, clipping these and be like, ah, oh, you stupid idiot, that didn't happen. So here's how I would define a bold prediction. We're all familiar with the concept of the bell curve and standard deviation in some sense. At the top of the bell curve, you have the the median or average outcome, and then on either side, 50% of outcomes to the high end, 50% of outcomes to the low end. And once you get kind of like, I guess the first standard deviation is 34% on both sides, so that's 68%. So I'm looking at the tails of those two things, both on the high end and low end, whether it's like a bold prediction about Texas Tech's win total to me on the high end would be something that has only a 10 or 15% chance of happening or on the low end only has a 10 or 15% chance of happening. So Texas Tech winning seven games is not a bold prediction because that's too close to the median five and a half, six that most people are predicting. But if you said Texas Tech will win nine games or three games, I would consider that bold. So something that has a, 10 to 15% chance or less of happening is a bold prediction. So basically, if you get, if we do 10 of these and you get one of them right or two of them right, I think that's a pretty good showing. Is Wonderful. that fair? Yeah, yeah. So you're, we're not going to go 10 and 0 on these. If you no, do, no, no. you're like a genius. No, no, no. Uh, also, I don't know what – I didn't know what you were going to say, but that was the most Kyle answer to that question. I appreciate it. I took it right back to high school AP yeah. statistics. Standard for, deviations yeah. and bell curves and all that. That's, I mean, I would have been like, man, it's like gut feeling and <laughs> yeah, but you math. I'm trying to quantify it. Something for that sure. has a 10 or 15% chance of yeah, happening yeah, yeah. or less. Uh, okay. So I guess I'll go um, maybe moderate to really bold. Yes. Real, real quick. Oh, and you can, you can qualify that say like, this is level one spicy, level two spicy. Which one is the uh, bullhorn? Oh, Okay. We have a new we have a new equipment set up here, so we yeah. can kind of complement our own audio with fun stuff. Should I tell a bad joke real quick, or 
Uh, yeah. Do you want to test some of these out? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, there's two muffins baking in an oven. And one muffin turns to the other and goes, whew, it's hot in here. And the other one goes, oh, it's a talking muffin. I have not heard that joke in a long time. That used to be one of my favorite jokes. So we have the rim shot. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, well, well, when you give like a good take um, that you think is good. Okay. Yeah, nobody cares. Crickets? Okay. Nobody cares about your takes. Uh, we've got a, a sad trombone. We'll play that for the Pac-12. Whenever we're discussing realignment. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a few uh, that we add into as well. I This is our first go at it. So, can I test some of these? Yeah, yeah. You just I mean, reach over. Yeah. Well, that's the open. Okay. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> you can play that one again. <laughs> we're back. Yeah. What did you just say? Yeah. Oh, hey, my name is Rob. You might be wondering how I got here. <laughs> that's great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I might hit the wrong one, which will make for some really ill-timed. Yeah. Well, kind of, but we that's okay. Yeah, oh. The one you like is this yellow one up here. Okay. Yeah, that's the air horn. So we've got we've got bold predictions and prop bets that we just made up. So we'll we'll start with the bold predictions. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Do you want to? I'll start. Start us off. Okay. All right. So since 2016, Texas Tech has had at least two starting quarterbacks. Most years since 2016, you've had three starting quarterbacks, including last year and the year before, um, and the year before because Jackson Tyner started. Uh, so my bold prediction is that tomorrow Tyler Shuck will be named starting quarterback and he will start all 12 games for Texas Tech I'm going to play off that one a little bit I'm going to go out of order I do think Shuck will be named the starting quarterback to start the season and I hope that he starts all 12 games because that means he's playing at a high level and he's healthy but if Donovan Smith starts nine games, he will declare for the NFL draft. If Donovan Smith, that's three years in because he redshirted his first year. Well, he didn't redshirt, but he was here. He coveted. Mm-hmm. He'll be draft eligible, and I think if he starts nine games, he'll have, what, 13, 14 starts under his belt by that point? Uh-huh. He has the measurables. He'll have the tape. Why come back? Now, that is bold. It is bold. I love that. All right, up next, Taj Brooks will be Texas Tech's first 1,000-yard rusher since 2015. Taj Brooks had 568 yards in nine games last year with a a 6.5 yards per carry. A Texas Tech running back has not broken the 1,000-yard mark since DeAndre Washington had 1,400 in 2015. Also, small bone. I was talking about brands earlier. Um, I know where you're going with this. Why do they say Brooks time? It should be Taj time. It's Taj time. Yeah. It's Taj time. It's alliteration. It's Taj time. Why, right. why are we doing Brooks time? That doesn't make any sense. So some of these are infringing on a couple of the prop bets that I had lined up, but that's okay. I can maybe alter those a little bit as we go. Well, it is just, you know, this is a bold prediction. It doesn't mean I'm going to bet the same way when I, you know, I'm trying to get down on a prop bet. Sure. I am actually going to go a little bit bolder than you. Same so, first off, we both have these written down on our phones. We've not shared them with each other. But, again, I'm going to play off yours because it's related. 
Texas Tech will have two 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher in the same season. In this season? Yes. It says 2,000-yard receivers and 1,000-yard rusher. Yes. I love it. I've got one of those in a second. All right, I'm going to go to the defensive side here. Okay. Texas Tech will have two all Big 12 players in the secondary. Okay. So we're going to say first or second team, and that's Rabbit, Pearson, Muddy Waters. Probably, but also Rayshard Williams and Adrian Fry. So out of those five, two will be on either the first or second team, all Big 12. Can I make a clarification here? Yeah. Adrian Fry is going to be the starting punt returner. Do you mean make the All-Big 12 as, as a DB? As a DB. Okay. I, I think that's a good prediction. I think you've got a lot. You, you've got five guys back there that could conceivably achieve that at their ceiling. So it's a numbers game. I think I think Rayshad Williams might be my top pick to make All-Big 12. Texas Tech will win nine games this season, including the Bowl, barring significant injuries. I'm hedging a tiny bit there, but like if against Murray State, God forbid, Caleb Rogers, Tyler Shuck, and Taj Brooks get hurt, like this is a little bit out the window. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of a uh, bold prediction. Right. The rest of mine are around the Big 12. Okay. Not Texas Tech related. I've got a few more Texas Tech ones. Okay, let's go. Um, Texas Tech will finish first in the Big 12 in turnover margin. Wow. First in the Big 12 in turnover margin. Yes. Meaning not only will they take the ball away, but Tyler Shuck will take care of the ball. So another point of clarification. Is this in Big 12 play or all 12 games? I mean, we'll call that one in Big 12 play. Okay. Yeah. In conference play, which I think is even tougher. Conference play, because that like eliminates the. Some teams are playing way harder games, right? Because you have NC State, Houston, and that's against uh, who, who's Oklahoma playing? Like Tulane and Nebraska, UTEP yeah, and Nebraska. So, because the reason I ask, I think I'd have to go back and look, but I think when you played Lamar in 2018, I think you had to, like a six to zero turnover yeah. margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that you know pretty much compensated for the rest of the season. But okay, um. That is that is very bold because you have an offense. I'm not going to say it's turnover prone, but there are other offenses in the league that are going to try to run fewer plays and be less aggressive than you. And so their offensive styles might lend themselves to fewer turnovers. But going back to the brand, it's all about that take three. And so you know that's going to be a focal point if they can yeah. actually achieve it. Yeah. So keep going. You can do another one? Yeah, I'm out of Texas Tech specific. Oh, I'll just ones. go through the rest of my tech so, ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Jones will sell out four times. Wow. You've not done that ever, maybe. I don't remember. I don't I don't think you because you had the the home schedule and um well, not the same home schedule, but in two thousand eight, you had a pretty good team and a pretty good schedule, but I don't think you sold out four times. So do you, do you want the four games? Yes. Texas Longhorns final trip to Lubbock. Sell out. 
That's also somewhat of a bold prediction. As Big 12 members. As Big 12 members. Even that is somewhat bold. The 6-1 Texas Tech Red Raiders host Baylor. (laughs) See that? 6-1 Texas Tech. And that is uh, Patrick Mahomes now, which we have not talked about, but we will. Uh, The Sooners' final trip to Lubbock as Big 12 members. So there's three. Just need one more. I don't I don't exactly know the fourth one, but those three I'm pretty confident will be sellouts. Yeah, the OU one is typically close to a sellout pretty much regardless of circumstance, but this year with it being close to Thanksgiving kind of makes me wonder just because that kind of – a lot of students go back 300-plus miles to where they yeah. came from, and yeah. that hurts the attendance. So, But if you're, eight, if you're eight and three – Right. Playing for a spot in the Big 12 title game. Yeah. Uh, a couple more, sorry. I'll just run through these. Texas Tech will double their sack total from 2021 at 20 last year. Big 12 lead was f- around 50. I think Oklahoma State had oh, uh, Oklahoma State had 57. Wow. Baylor had 44. You've got a 40-burger on the way? Yep. Uh, Miles Price will match Jareth Stern's stat line from Western Kentucky. Now, by match, I don't mean exact because Jarrett's throwing 1,900 yards, 150 receptions. I don't think Miles Price will get that kind of targets. Uh, Jared Stern was the option there. I think Miles Price is an option here. But 1,000-yard receiver, you said it earlier, I'll take Miles Price for one of those. Uh, Tyree Wilson will lead the Big 12 in sacks. Joey McGuire said that yesterday, I think. Yep. Um, One more. Ready? Yep. Joey McGuire, Big 12 Coach of the Year. Very bold. Typically reserved for somebody playing at or near the top of the conference standings. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's just best coach, best team. Um, But other times you've seen coaches who outperform what they were projected to do, kind of get the leg up. So let's say you go eight and four, you're projected ninth in the Big 12, you finish fourth. Pretty strong. Yeah. Or, you know, even if he goes five and four, it'd be the first winning conference record since 2009. Yeah. Might, might be enough to get him there. For sure. Okay. Ready for some bold predictions around the Big 12? Yes. Came up with one related to every school. Okay. Matt Rule will be on Joey McGuire's staff next season. Analyst? Yeah. Okay. He's going to take a rebound job after getting fired by the Panthers. The two of them are tight. He's going to come be associate head coach or co-defensive coordinator, analyst. We're going to do what Saban does to resurrect Bill O'Brien careers. Blake Shapin, Baylor's quarterback will be first team all Big 12. I like that. I like that. I'm pretty high on him and yeah. the Bears. And that position is pretty wide open, it seems. Kansas will win two Big 12 games this season. Will you look up the last time that happened? Uh, 2008. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know that off the top of your head? Yes. They have not. They've So, um, recent. Not true. They... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, so oh seven. Yeah. yeah. They were really good, and then oh eight they won a couple of Big Twelve games and then finished zero and five. 
I was they've gonna, not done it since. I was going to say 2013, but the stat I was thinking of was West Virginia that season became the first Big 12 school to lose to Kansas and Iowa State in the same season, which is a brutal. Uh, Texas might hold that distinction now. In fact, I'm almost positive they Well, the, the latest, but not right. the first. Right. I'm saying they might right. be among that company of teams that have lost to both in the same season. Hmm. Okay. When you get to certain schools, I'll I'll I have a few, but okay. I'll just do them when you do. Them. OU will achieve its largest margin of victory in the Red River rivalry since 2012, when they won by 42 points. Wow. A decade. OU will win by more than 42. No. More than any margin they've achieved since that. Oh, okay. So what's the widest margin? It's a bunch of pretty close games. This might not be that bold. Oh, okay. Okay. They've either lost or won by like a touchdown most times. So I'm basically predicting a double-digit type. Okay. Look up... uh, so I wrote down like the gist of it, but I don't have the numbers. Uh-huh. I want to cook up a bold prediction related to Deuce Vaughn all-purpose yards. So if you can give me some Big 12 comps or K-State school record types, I would like to make a prediction related to that. In the meantime, Oklahoma State will finish outside the top four of the Big 12 standings. Ooh, Oklahoma State. Yes. Their consensus top three in just about any analytics or poll heading into the season. I, I'm not buying it. I think sometimes when Gundy has an elite year, like he did last year, there's a drop off. I think they've got question marks on defense that they might be able to answer, but they might not. And I think they've got a pretty definite ceiling on offense with Spencer Sanders, at quarterback and some unproven running back play. I think they're going to fall more to the middle of the pack of the big 12. Okay. Interesting. Neil Brown will be fired at West Virginia despite an enormous buyout. Enormous. Like, typically I would look at this and think he could go 0-9 in Big 12 play and they couldn't move off of him. Yeah. I think they'll bite the bullet and do it. Uh, Doubling down, West Virginia will go 3-9 and or worse. Wow. Okay. Iowa State will have its first losing season since 2016. I so five and seven or worse or six and six in a bowl loss would would qualify. Yeah, or worse. Yeah, I, Matt Campbell's on that five times in a row though at Iowa State, which is not right. I, I don't think that's happened in their history since the 1920s. Yeah, I'll I'll double down and say they'll miss a bowl. Okay. Yeah. So you're even saying in the regular season. Yeah. Okay. TCU will finish in the bottom two of the Big 12 standings. So Kansas and, and TCU well, won two. I told you Kansas was going to get two Big 12 wins. If one of those is over TCU and they both end two and seven in Big 12 play, something like that? Yeah. I don't know. I could see it happening. Yeah. Well, also, I think I had TCU. So we filled out – I filled out. I don't know if you've done it yet. I filled out every – um, Big 12 record uh, schedule 
Uh, I think I had TCU at four and eight. So right there with you. Yeah. And they've got an easy non-con. I think you had them three and oh in the non-con. <laughs> I think I did, yeah. And I think I have Kansas beating them. Okay, what number do I need to pick on Deuce Vaughn all-purpose yards for this to be a bold prediction? All right, so to get him second all-time, he needs 1,000 all-purpose yards. That's easy. Um, But there's such a gap between him and Darren Sproles that I don't think uh, he can get. For a career? For a career. Career is 5,500. Right. And he, well, he's only in year three, so he he would need two more seasons to do that. How many does he have, and how many does Darren Sproles have? He has uh, 2,948. Okay. Let's call it 3,000. Tyler, Tyler Lockett has 3,900. And then Darren Sproles has 5,588. So Deuce has 3,000. Sproles has 5,500, roughly? Mm-hmm. Darren Sproles had uh, 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Uh, do you want to do this? How about this? Darren Sproles' best season, yeah, twenty two seventy five, and then he had two seasons of fifteen hundred. Does that count his? That is three seasons of production. Does that count his kick return yards, twenty two seventy five, or is that from scrimmage? That, okay, wow. <laughs> so I'm not going to go that bold, but I'll say Deuce. You break two thousand. I'll say Deuce Vaughn over two thousand. Wow. I mean, Darren Sproles, 2003, is unreal. Of course, yes. that's only 300 yards receiving. Wow. I mean, he was a, it it, a really good rushing uh, running back. That's the 1900. Thing, like, I saw this play. It was a clip of, I think it was Kansas State at Oklahoma State last year. And Kansas State had this beautiful play design. They're at like midfield. And it's a, it's a fake missed cut block. So Deuce goes up to the line and basically just falls on the ground, pretends like he missed a block. Yeah. And then he gets up and he's uncovered, and they just kind of dump it over the line to him. He runs 50 yards. So they can get creative how they use him in the screen game and shovel pass, things like that. What I don't know is, you know, is Colin Klein's offense going to be conducive to this, but I'm going to go over 2,000 yards. Well, you might have a lot of, uh, you know, Bill Snyder-esque offense that returns mm-hmm. under Colin Klein because – you know, in that era. Uh, now, I, I don't know Kansas State's quarterback situation. I mean, I, I know who probably will start, but I Adrian Martinez, right, starter. They still have Will Howard behind him? Yeah, they still have Will Howard. They've had their own sets of injuries and back and forth with Skylar Thompson the last couple of years. But everything that's said about Adrian Martinez, like, okay, he did this at Nebraska, but... Nebraska was so bad. Can he really make the leap at Kansas State? But I will say this: he runs. You could see some some read option and that kind of stuff, and the that only helps Deuce Vaughn because you're sucking in defensive ends. Right. I was talking to some K State fans though. That the vibe they seem to get is that they don't want to do that much quarterback run, which is kind of interesting because Colin Klein being the offensive coordinator there, right? He was a running quarterback. So I don't know. But if that's true, if they've got a dual-threat quarterback but they don't want to run him, to me that just means even more touches for Deuce Vaughn. But, yeah, over 2,000. Sweet. That concludes my bold predictions. All right. want to give a shout-out. Perfect timing on that. want to give a shout-out to another one of our sponsors of the Gambling Gauchos, our friends over at Code Ninjas. 
who teaches kids ages 5 to 14 how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills in a fun, hands-on environment through their year-round coding programs. Offering flexible afternoon and weekend hours, kids visit their center each week to learn coding, logic, and problem-solving skills while creating video games and meeting new friends. They start out as a white belt and move through nine different belt levels all the way to black belt, where they will design and create their very own app or game. I know a lot of our listeners took advantage of the summer camps. School is back in session. You can still keep going back to Code Ninjas evenings, weekends, and continue the fun and learning. This will be one of the most valuable skills for today's kids to thrive in the future. So schedule a tour and a free first session at CodeNinjas.com. And thank you to Code Ninjas for their support of the Gambling Gauchos. <laughs> that air horn, man. All right, you have some prop bets? You want to bounce off each other? Uh, yeah, let's do it. I will also say, um, as far as the, the the sound effects go, we need like a like a cash register ding. So we can like, you know, oh, yes. that bet cashed. Boom. If y'all have any like sound effects ideas, uh, you can send those in. We'll, we'll do them. I'm going to say this before the prop bets because I alluded to this during our bold predictions segment. Uh-huh. Remember, the bold predictions were 10 or 15%. So you'd have to be getting, let's say, like plus 800 to bet on that. These are even money type bets. Maybe we'll, if there's a lean, we could juice one way or the other. So don't be afraid to contradict yourself a little bit because now we're talking even money and not plus 800. Right. Because some of these are almost directly what were related to your bold predictions. But I'll start at the top. All right, you, yeah, you start yours. I'll, I have a few. You've written down more than me. Yes. Um, more starts at quarterback, Tyler Shuck or the field combined. So whether that's Donovan or Morton or the two of them combined, who has most, more starts this season? All right, so um, betting with my head, not my heart, Shuck will have the most starts. Okay. And I, I feel like I, I've gotten a little negative on Shuck. I I think he's a fine quarterback, and I think he'll be good with um, the weapons. I think in a lot of ways, um, Kitley can doctor offenses to each quarterback, and I I like the potential of Shuck because of the deep ball. I I have not been as excited about Shuck in some uh, times that we've talked about him, but if he starts 12 games this year, I think Texas Tech is at least 7-5. and five. Do you think... But yes, I'll take Shuck over the field. Okay. And I'm a field guy, you know? Shuck will be in his third offense in three seasons. True. Oregon. I don't know who his offensive coordinator was there. Uh, Joe Woodhead? Moorhead? Moorhead? Just for one season? Yeah. I think so. Interesting. And then he comes here, <clears throat> Sonny oh, Cumbie. Woodhead. <laughs> you were thinking Danny Woodhead, maybe? I guess. Um, and so, you know, things are a little bit different. I imagine kind of a similar system. You know, Oregon runs a spread offense. Right. Um, and now he'll be under Zach Kitley. We've seen quarterbacks who fit an offense or don't fit an offense. You remember, I'm sure, Khalil Tate under Rich Rodriguez. Yes. One of the most electric players in college football. Yep. You remember Khalil Tate under Kevin Sumlin. Awful. 
garbage. Yeah. Well, not garbage, but yeah. I mean, it, much different. It was like much they, different. You know, took a hammer to his kneecaps, and I was like, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. So we've seen it certainly move in a bad direction for a quarterback, unfortunately. But it's feasible too that it could move the opposite direction, and a guy could really excel in a new offense. Well, you saw Alan Bowman pretty good in 2018. Oh, we saw a lot of guys under Cliff that uh, looked pretty good. So what I'm saying is kind of like what you said. Will the offense be tailored to his, his skill set in a way that he looks better than he ever has at Oregon or even Texas Tech in the past? I've got a prop on that exact question. Do you? No. Okay. Um, I guess we're just going to say this uh, yes or no. And, and obviously, I'll take three stats. Okay. Does Nick Shimanek exceed? Oh, sorry. Does Tyler... Ah, I ruined it. That's okay. Does Tyler Shuck exceed Nick Shimanek um, one season? I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. So that's uh, 3,963 yards. So more than 4,000 yards. More than 33 touchdowns. 10 interceptions or less. 4,000 yards. 3 to 1 touchdown to INT ratio. Yes. That's a better way to say it, yes. Let me start by saying I would take that right now if you Oh yeah. That versus roll the dice. Yeah. I would take that. Can I answer it this way? The quarterback room combined will go over. Okay. Yeah. Um maybe more turnovers, but I think the yards and touchdowns will be higher. And I'm only saying that because if if Chuck injures his shoulder or leg or whatever, right. I yeah. I do think Donovan could come in and have success and so but y'all say over, which is ambitious. Shimanek, I mean, that season looks better and better every year since him. You and know? we were so mad at it. We haven't duplicated that no. in five years. Not even close. Then. So uh, I'm going to also take Shuck over the field in terms of more starts, answering my own prop bet there. This isn't going to be a good one. Sacks for Tyree Wilson. You're going to say over no matter what number I say. Okay. But uh, I've Do got... you know what just popped into my head? What? 12 and a half. Okay, I put twelve. Okay, and this is an interesting one because you can you can push even on a half number because you can get a half right. sack. But right. I got over under twelve. That would be top five in single season history at Texas Tech if he hit twelve. Um. So, little known fact, people forget Texas Tech led the Big Twelve in sacks in two straight seasons uh, under Cliff. They Pete, had Pete Robertson and Brandon Jackson. They had. I think they had an individual who led the Big 12 in sacks. I don't think as a team they did. Right. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. They had, yeah, Pete Robertson and Brandon Jackson led the Big 12 in sacks in back-to-back seasons. Okay. I didn't know that Brandon Jackson. Uh-huh. I, I remember Pete Robertson, but, or, or Pete Robertson. When I, I want to say it was a like a down year for sacks, but yeah. still, back-to-back seasons. Uh, I think you're, you're back to that. I, I really like... Everything that's been said about the defense and how they're going to be aggressive and how um, you're going to mix what Tyree Wilson does to um, not just have people thinking he's going to do the same thing every time. So if you can rush with Tyree Wilson six straight times on third down and then the seventh third down drop him, he might be knocking down some balls. So... It is what it is. I, I think you're going to rush more often than not. 
Um, at 12 and a half, I would take the under. But I think he hits double digits. That is just outright. That's a, that's a lot of sacks. It's almost one of, one of those things, you're so good, you're going to be double teamed. Right. Or at the very least have a back assigned to help the tackle that is pass protecting. And so it's hard when you're that dude, it's hard to rack up. You know, it's hard to be Michael Strahan and get 22 and a half sacks or whatever he had when he set the NFL record. Because, like, they know you're coming. Yeah. You're going to get double teamed every time. But I do think he is definitely an NFL talent with NFL measurables. Well, if he gets 11 and a half or 12, um, I mean, that's I mean that's that's going to put him in the first round. Yeah. But he could also, honestly, one or two bad matchups where if he's just – if the opposing team's left tackle isn't any good, what did he have? Four either – sacks or half sacks in the bowl game i mean yeah so you look at it that way okay two monster games and then even if he is getting double teamed i might go over on that which is it's bold but i think that highly of him Uh, the sack leader last year was uh king felix with 11 so that so 12 would also be in the conversation of yep leading the big 12 leading the big 12 Mm -hmm. That's what Joey said he was going to do, and you know that's that's his coach. That's a biased perspective, but it, it feels like wrong. To, if you set the number at eight and a half, nine and a half, it's yeah, it's too low. And yeah, so it, 12, 12 is twelve is a good number. It's ambitious, but um, I th- I think he could have ten sacks and lead the Big Twelve. That's just kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, all right, piggybacking. Okay, you would take the over. I think so. All right, so Tyree Wilson. Um, before or after, before being closer to number one, after being further away, the 25th pick in the NFL draft. Uh, it's so hard to speculate this far out. Um, nothing is going to change between now and then with his measurables. Right. He's going to show up to the combine 6'6", 275, and run one of the fastest 40s for defensive end. Exactly. I think they clocked him at 196 would yeah, uh, from, from miles per hour. Yeah, not his forty time. His forty. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a four point. Uh, what was his forty time? I don't think we've heard that. I don't know, but I guess before. I mean, I, I'd have to do a little homework on this. How many six six two seventy five DNs who by that point will have put together really good tape? You know, it just seems like a. I don't. I don't know what the knock on him would be if he has right. a good season. He'll have right. the film. He'll have the measurables. Has the body type. I mean, it's a yes, right? Yeah, I think so. So it's a, a, a before. I mean, if it's a first round prop, yes or no? Yes. I'm saying yes. He's and, the first defensive player drafted in the first round since Jordan Brooks. And that position is, I would say, one of the most four coveted positions in the. Yeah. It's all about the quarterback, and so then you branch out from there. It's about left tackle receiver slash sh- shutdown corner and rushing the quarterback. That's the only way to stop these guys is sacking them. Yeah, but in the as the first pick overall, it's either pass rush or quarterback. Right. Or left tackle to protect the quarterback from the pass rush. When's the last left tackle taken? Eric Fisher? I'd have to look. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, it's been... But if, if, he, played, if he played middle linebacker or right guard, I'd be like, right. oh, yeah. you can be really Never. good, but, yeah. you know... There's just less incentive to take a guy that high. But he's at one of those positions where a team 
theoretically would use the okay. first pick on him if he was good enough. So uh, since Dave Parks, two Red Raiders have been draft, drafted 10th. Michael Crabtree and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Does Tyree Wilson become the first player inside the top 10 since Dave Parks? Give me, give me plus 350 and I'll say okay. yes. All right. We'll do it. More rushing yards. Taj Brooks or Sir Roderick Thompson plus 200. Ooh. Basically, will Taj Brooks outrush Sir Roderick Thompson by 200 yards or more? So in my, uh, oh, by 200 or more? No. You think no, they'll I be think so. closer I think they'll be than close, that. yeah. Okay. I thought you were giving me uh, Sir Roderick with the juice. I am. Well, just like the betting juice, like yes oh, or no. Oh, like plus 200 yeah, odds? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, plus 200 yards, no, 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 I don't think he'll outrush him. Uh, even if he does get 1,000 yards, I think, oh, well, if he gets 1,000, I think maybe so. But uh, Sir Roderick's, even with injuries, has two straight 600-yard seasons. I mean, the dude is productive. Um, and he is going to get carries and be productive. And Sir Roderick, even for whatever reason, he might not seem like he gets a bunch of credit, but a bunch of times he's broken really long runs just like Taj did. So I'm mm-hmm. excited. By the way, that gif is terrifying. Yeah, I'm catching up on Twitter to gauge the response Gaucho's to country. Gaucho's country, let's ride. Football can't start soon enough. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> like you think I want to post that video. <laughs> All right, what are, what are the props you have? Okay. Yes or no, Diversified Lenders is a great sponsor of the Gambling Gauchos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go yes, and I'm going to hammer that one. I am hammering that as well. You know our friends at Diversified Lenders, diversifiedlenders.com, Red Raider football letterman owned and operated. Factoring, accounts receivable, equipment, finance, and leasing, all that good stuff. Would be lying if I told you I fully understood it, but... They can help your business get the cash it needs to operate now. So check out our friends at diversifiedlenders.com. Now, we alluded to there was no 1,000-yard receiver since 2018 when Antoine Wesley went out of his mind for 1,400 yards. And that was, by the way, with pretty minimal production the last two games of the season. And multiple quarterbacks. Yes. (laughs) Yes or no, there will be a 1,000-yard receiver at Texas Tech this season. Yes. Yeah, I think Miles Price um, is in a great position. And not just like the position on the field, but his skill set, what they're going to do, how he's going to be positioned. He'll be inside, outside, back of the diamond, top of the diamond, front of the diamond, right of the diamond, four wide. I mean, they're going to be creative and get the ball too. And around Miles Price. He might play more offensive snaps than any other yeah. skilled position player. Yes. Because I think there's going to be more of a rotation at outside receiver. The tight ends are going to rotate. The running backs are going to rotate. Miles Price is probably going to be on the field unless there's a heavy goal line package. Yeah. Okay. This is ridiculous. Jarrett Stearns, last season at Western Kentucky. Yep. 1,900. 150 receptions. 1,900 yards. And 17 touchdowns? Yes. Let's say I cut that in two-thirds. 100 catches for 
uh, what would that be? About 1,250 yards? Yeah. 6, oh, 12, 18, yeah. Over? 625. 100 catches for 1,250 yards. Are you taking that for Miles Price? Um, I'm, I'm taking the 1,200 yards. Okay. You don't think he'll be at that volume? No. Um, I think if he catches 100 balls, man, that's 12 and a half yards a catch. Stearns was 12.7, so. Mm. <laughs> you taking that? No. I think Stearns was heavily relied on because he was... So we ha- we kind of briefly said this uh, in the 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 br- the bold predictions that I thought Price was going to have a big season. I brought up Jared Stern's numbers. Um, I'll say this: I think that Miles Price is going to lead the team in receiving, and I would be much closer to saying he got twelve hundred yards receiving than he did hundred catches. How about this? What's the last Texas Tech receiver to have hundred catches? Yes or no, Miles Price will beat any of his teammates in receiving yards by 200 or more. I would, I would be much, much closer to that than the Tosh Brooks one. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's actually a good bet as well. Again, because obviously there's going to be starters at outside receiver, but they're going to rotate more. And so as a team, you know, you can look at the passing yards, receiving yards, but he'll be the only constant who's out there for 99% of the snaps. Right. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Receiving at Texas Tech. Um, oh, this is career. All right, never mind. I was going to try to pull up uh, by season. I think Wes Welker had 100 catches. Is he the last one in a season? No, surely not. Didn't Torian Henderson do that? Oh, I guess, yeah. I was just thinking running Yeah, back. he wasn't a receiver, but... I mean, he, had, he he has the career record for receptions. So, yes, he he did, I'm sure, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little more research on that one. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we got a lot more to get to. Let's just blow through some. You've seen the shirts, the 50-burger shirts, over or under... Two fifty burgers for this staff. Over. I mean, are we counting Murray State? Let's let's throw that out. Okay. So Houston and beyond. Over. Uh, three. You you could push on three. So yeah, I'll, I'll stay at two. Okay. So, but over two, two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I mean, it's the same thing you were trying to get me to do earlier, but well, three. Well, yeah. no, because you can't push it two and a half. Right. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'll go over two. Not counting Murray State. I think you got a good shot against Kansas. Well, and, and I, you might get in some uh, shootouts. Right. Okay, wins over these teams. UT, OU, Oklahoma State. Those three games, over or under, half a win. Say the three games again. Texas, OU, Oklahoma State. Over, under, half a win. You will beat one of those teams. So over. Okay. 
I agree with you there. I think Oklahoma State on the road is tough, but I don't think they're as good as advertised. I think you got a good shot about beating UT at home as well. Recruiting ranking after the December signing day. We'll average out rivals on 24-7 here. Top 23 in the country, yes or no? No. I'm going yes. I think you'll be close. Top 23? What? Why 23? I looked at the historical numbers, and that's okay. about where it would fall. Maybe one or two spots higher, maybe two spots lower. But I think like top 25 is pretty when you're, you're, certain at this You're point. adding a few more. Maybe. Players. I mean, I'm just assuming you'll get um, one or two more, maybe. Yeah. But also, the players you have will, you don't have seasons. Right. Move up or down. And the, only the top 20 are counted in rivals ranks. So even if you add kids, if they're ranked lower than your 20th, they don't really impact the class. Um, I think I would stone cold lock a top 20 class next year. Wow. But I think. Okay. I think you're right on the cusp of 23 this year. Seven home games this season. Great for the Chamber of Commerce. Usually you only have six. Wins at home, over or under, four and a half. And those games are Murray State, Houston, Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas, OU. Yep. So four and a half, over, under from those seven in Lubbock. I'm going to say over. I think you're going to win at home. Which, which three do you think are the hardest? Um, well, Murray State, Houston, and Kansas are the three easiest. Okay. Uh, the three hardest, I think Texas, just because it's Texas. I think Oklahoma, because they're Oklahoma. And I would say Baylor. So that leaves West Virginia in the middle? Yeah, and I, I'm well documented on how bad West Virginia is going to be this year. So you think they'll take care of those four and then get one out of three against Texas OU Baylor, basically? Yeah, and I think you could be five and two. I think I think the home schedule lines up for you to be six and one. I'm I'm tempted to go over. I mean, the only teams out of those seven that I think really just kind of outclass you in your lineup are OU. But that's the last game of the season. If they're dealing with injuries by then or loss of momentum, who knows? But like I don't think you just line up against Texas and no. you know, you're overmatched or anything. And same with Baylor. So pass yards total. Let's come up with a good over under together. Looking at Maybe some Western Kentucky history. And then I know you're, how you're going to go on this one while you're looking for that. Positive turnover margin, yes or no? A positive, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, you predicted yes. top of the Big yeah. 12. So. When I think, I think that's I, – I, th- I think they're going to be aggressive on offense, but I don't think you're just going to – I don't think Tyler Shucks, you know – just going to be a straight gunslinger running around chunking balls. I think he's going to be more Nick Shimanek esque and take some easy throws and and throw the ball away and and take care of the ball. I also think if you look at Western Kentucky numbers last year, they were forced to throw it, and their personnel dictated that they throw it more often than maybe would normally be the case. Throw in the fact that he had an NFL quarterback. And he might have an NFL quarterback this year, but right. I think those numbers are due for some type of 
regression to the mean. What else we got? Um, 30 points per game or more have been allowed by the Texas Tech defense over the past 12 seasons. Over or under that mark this season? Ooh. Okay, say it one more time. 30 points per game or more have yeah. been allowed by the so, Texas Tech defense for the last 12 years. Over or under 30 points per game this season. Is that accurate? I think so. You I'll can, take the under. You can fact check me on it if you want. Going under. Is that in, in conference play? Um, I don't know. I mean, that sucks. <laughs> you use like college football reference? Uh, yeah, like uh, CFB stats Yeah, on that kind of stuff. I think I just clicked through that and hit previous year, previous year. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't under 30 until I got to 20. 2009? Yeah. 2009, I guess it was. I'm going to go under for a few reasons. One, that era of Big 12 play, has the tide has turned. And there's more and more teams using more clock, slower tempo, running the ball more. And two, your defense is loaded with super senior type guys, Adrian Fry, Muddy Waters, Tyree Wilson, we talked about him. I think you're in a position, hopefully, to be able to do it. Texas and OU are more unproven. Those are teams that in the past have hung a lot of points on you. Right. So I think, I mean, I don't think 30 is that much to ask. And if you, especially if you have a good showing against teams like Kansas, West Virginia, Murray State, Houston, even, I hope you can land under that mark. It's really been the. You've had some good defensive performances in individual games, but it's those two or three where you allow 60 that ruin that number for the season total. Yeah, and I also think, um, yeah. I mean, style play, and and more teams are playing that way now than in the past. So used to you had some one-offs, but now Iowa State, Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas. I mean, all of those are going to be tried trying to be slow and plotting and game clock and all that stuff over or under 24 and a half sacks allowed for texas tech um man you've been really good at that lately even with a bad offensive line and a high pass rate and a high pass rate uh, because you threw screens and quick throws and, and bubble screens and bubble screens yeah. and bubble screens mm-hmm. and bubble screens and um bubble screens yeah so, uh, yes, um, I think oh, 24, two sacks a game. Yeah, that's basically what it comes out to. I'll take the under. I think I'm going to go over because of the pass rate. I don't think it'll look that bad in terms of the sack rate allowed, but I think if you're throwing it as much as Kitley likes to and, yeah, and more downfield. It's probably a good, yeah. I'm going to go Because that really wouldn't be bad, especially in Big 12 play, like, I mean, two sacks isn't great, but it's also not going to kill you. I'm going to go over. Okay. I was just thinking of Oklahoma State and Baylor and Kansas State and some of these some of these defensive linemen that are in the Big 12. This is my favorite one. Okay. I'm going to hype it up real quick because I've been thinking about this prop a lot. I could see some value both ways. Three and three at the bye. Do you take that or do you roll the dice? I take it. You take three and three. Oh, wait, hold on. Now, let me think about this. 
at the bye is you got, uh, you got Murray, Murray State, Houston, NC State, Texas at home, and then two on the road against Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Yep. I take three and three. Three and three min, means you take care of business against Murray State and Houston, let's it, say. You win on your three home games. And you win you win one out of four among three tough road games and Texas at home. You're taking that. Yes, because that's uh, six games. I think you can win the next five straight. That's eight and three going into Oklahoma. It is tempting. And a lot of the analytics I've looked at have you pretty close to that three win mark through six games. Uh huh. In fact, a lot of the analytics would say that three and three would be a good showing for tech through six games. But it's it's just not in my nature. And I could see some Positive momentum. I mean, the fact that you're two games out of that six-game stretch, your two easiest are the first two. Right. They start getting a little bit of confidence. God forbid. I mean, don't let us get hot. We go into Raleigh and beat a top 10 or 12 NC State team. Come back home in front of an electric crowd. If you're 3-0 and and you're playing Texas at home, I mean, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I also think even if you lose the NC State game, to start conference play one and two, it's doable. I don't know. I, I think that there's enough meat on the bone there in terms of win winability. I don't think you'll eclipse three and three, but I think you've got a good shot to get there anyway if you roll the dice. And I wouldn't want to put the ceiling at three and three. So I would roll the dice. I agree. I just, I just can't resign to like, well, we're going to lose both of those on the road and we're going to lose to Texas or and we're going to lose to NC State. But three and three, if you beat, you win all three home games and lose all three away games, I don't think anybody would be panicking. No, and I think three and three, again, you're you're set up really well for a seven and five season. and Because that's losing to Baylor and Oklahoma uh, and getting the – and that's two home losses, and I know, but... You're counting a win in Ames in late November? I guess I'm in Iowa State in Oklahoma. Winning winning at home. Two out of three. Because I think West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, they're all, you know, beatable. Most, but yes, I think Iowa State's beatable too. Most likely to be named interim head coach in the Big 12 this season. Uh, Graham Harrell. Gary Patterson. I like them both. There's really nobody else conceivably on the hot seat. Like Matt Campbell no. is going to leave. Leipold's not getting fired. But Matt Campbell's not going to get fired. That's the only way you'd have an interim head coach. Well, he, he wouldn't leave during the college because NFL Black Monday or whatever they call it isn't until after the college season. Well, I guess it, theoretically Iowa game. State might have a bowl game, yeah. yeah. If if something blows up and he gets somewhere. Um, Kleiman's not going anywhere. No. Uh, Sonny Dykes, Joey McGuire in year one. Aranda's not going anywhere. Mm -mm. It's pretty much, I mean, and even the buyout at West Virginia, I alluded to that, is so prohibitive. I don't think he'll really get fired. I know I said bold prediction, yeah. plus 800, yeah, I'll take it, but Sarkeesian might be the guy on the hottest seat. He's only in year two, but anyway. I guess I'm breaking news. We'll have a better breaking news uh, bump there. Uh, Tyler Shuck named starting quarterback per Matt Dowdy. Interesting. 
I thought that was going to come across <laughs> interesting Monday or Tuesday. I I thought they said Monday. I saw Monday or Tuesday everywhere. Close- I, mean, I thought I thought uh, um, Joey said Monday at his thing, but I also kind of thought. Well, he said he wanted to talk to the three guys before they let it out. Uh, I also thought I don't like that over a press release. I don't know. I, think, I thought that was going to be a press conference thing. Closer margin of victory. UTSA versus Texas or Texas versus Alabama? I think Texas might be. You want another bold prediction? Sure. Texas is one and two coming into Lubbock. You think, you think Jeff Trailer and the boys are going to... Look at SFA last year coming into Lubbock. And how they played. I think you're going to get that kind of effort from UCSA. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, now Texas obviously has the upper hand there, but man, I would say Alabama beats Texas worse than Texas beats UTSA. Yes, uh, I would go that way. Okay. That's all I have for season prop bets. Um, what about this one in the same vein? Scoring margin. Texas Tech over Houston or Houston over Kansas? Let me look at something real quick. <laughs> Got to look at some uh, some numbers here. I do think Tech is going to have a really good showing against Houston. I think so. And I look, don't underestimate the 70 to whatever – game last year for for Texas Tech in Austin. I think the players remember that. I'll go with What do you what stats are you checking? Looking what, at FPI. Looking at? Oh, okay. Kansas has an 88% chance to beat Houston. Tech has really? a 56% chance to beat Houston. Houston has an 88% chance to beat Kansas. Yeah. Okay. You said it the other way. Yeah. I was like, what? My bad. <laughs> I was so confused. So the spread, Tech is going to be favored by maybe... Currently favored by five. Really? Yeah. But that's preseason and nobody else really thinks that. I mean, Houston's going to be favored by 14 or 17, maybe plus, Yeah. versus Kansas. So you're asking Tech to cover a lot of ground there, but... Yeah, I think I'll pick Tech over Houston. Okay, one more. And this is uh, for week one, so I'm sure we'll talk about this again. Uh, Yes or no, an all-chalk parlay that's not all-chalk because there will be a dog here will get over week one in the Big 12. That is uh, Baylor versus Albany, uh, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. South Dakota, Kansas State, Oklahoma, yada, yada, yada. Terrible. Uh, Central Michigan, Oklahoma State. 
TCU at Colorado, Texas Tech, Murray State, UT, UTSA, West Virginia, Pitt. Big 12 goes undefeated week one, yes or no? No. I agree. Uh, Pitt, the biggest factor there. Yeah. Uh, I just said UTSA is going to give Texas a run for their money. Colorado, I don't think, is going to be an easy game it's in on Boulder. the road week one. Yeah. You get Ralphie running around. And Central Michigan, I believe, beat Oklahoma State. Kind of. On an untimed down in Stillwater the last time they played. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Yeah, that's right. Oh, by the way. An untimed uh, down that shouldn't have happened. But. Will Greer should be the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Another bold prediction for you. Okay, uh... Do you want to talk about something that um, maybe we should try to avoid in some circumstances, but if you need to call them, you can? Sure. Alluded to them as our tailgate sponsor a little bit earlier, but our friends over at Barnett, Howard and Williams, you all know them well by now. Law firm started by three Texas Tech grads, office in Fort Worth, and they handle cases all across the state of Texas. We appreciate their support of the tailgate. If you're a current Texas Tech law student who used to play ass back for Texas Tech. Maybe if you come out to the tailgate, you can uh, meet our friends over from Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Like you said, they handle catastrophic injury cases and uh, are also certified to do Title IX student representation. They hope you never need them, but you have somebody in your corner if you do. You can learn more about the Barnett, Howard, and Williams law firm by visiting bhwlawfirm.com. We also talked about Rahinio Barbecue earlier. Uh, Cardinals, Rahinio, BHW, Gauchos. That's going to be really fun. All right. I have some uh, final thoughts. What? Ring of Honor? That is my final thought. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just didn't want to, like, do we want to talk about it for 20 minutes? I no. was just going to give my one thought on it and then and then let you give your piece. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on it. We haven't really talked about this a whole no, lot. No, we haven't. All right, here's my final thought, and, and it involves Patrick Mahomes and, and the Ring of Honor. Okay. As a Texas Tech quarterback, Patrick Mahomes does not deserve to be in the Ring of Honor or the Hall of Fame. Did he lead one of the greatest offenses in Texas Tech history in 2015? Yes. By yards, by touchdowns, by seasons, uh, by points per game. They were incredible in 2015. And I think the heart and the courage and everything else he showed in 2016, playing through injuries and otherwise, I think showed a lot of courage and got him drafted in the top 10, even without a good season. Quarterback wins are not a stat. Team wins are a stat, and that team was not good enough to win. But Patrick Mahomes, the Texas Tech quarterback, does not, to, to me, belong to be in the Ring of Honor or the Hall of Fame. But I think as an ambassador for Texas Tech, there's no one better. He is the face of the NFL. He is the face of Texas Tech alumni in a lot of ways. Now, you can go back and look at plenty of other quarterbacks and players who have gone on to great success, either in their personal lives. Uh, we talk to B.J. Simmons all the time. He's very successful in his field. His field is not as public as Patrick Mahomes's. Cliff Kingsbury, a lot of success moving on. But Patrick Mahomes is having an incredible impact. 
and having um, brand partnership deals with Texas Tech University on the field, right? And he's winning Super Bowls and AFC championships in Arrowhead. And behind his head, it says Texas Tech University. I mean, you can't replicate that. And so I think as an ambassador since he's left, there's not been anyone better. Um, and it's been a perfect marriage because if he didn't go to the Chiefs, I don't think this is happening. So a lot of things have fallen right, but is this the right decision to induct Patrick Mahomes into the Ring of Honor in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I think so. Uh, but it's not about his Texas Tech playing career. I think it's about what he's done since and what he's going to do. And... I think a lot of people will point out, well, this player, this player, this player had a better Texas Tech career. Fine. I know a lot of people point to Graham Harrell. A lot of people point to Wes Welker. Um, Danny Amendola, even. None of those guys, even with the NFL careers that Wes Welker and Danny Amendola had, were as public and as forward about Texas Tech after they left. And I think... Kudos to, to Patrick Mahomes for leaning into it and kudos for Texas Tech, honestly, and this marketing move to put him in the Ring of Honor in the Hall of Fame. Does he deserve it? Yes, I think so. Um, but for different reasons than maybe, say, Crabtree, uh, who got in last year. Let me preface this by saying that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented player to ever play the quarterback position, period. Not at Texas Tech, not of this era, period. The issue that I have with what you just said is that the criteria and the definitions seem to have changed because until yesterday, the Ring of Honor was not about marketability or being an ambassador for the university. It was about what you accomplished at and for Texas Tech. And in that sense, Patrick Mahomes has not achieved what a Tracy Saul or Bobby Cavazos or... Name any guy who was an All-American or led the team to a bowl win, a major bowl win, or a coach, or a guy who did both, like Cliff Kingsbury, played and coached here. The, the glaring issue to me, and I think a lot of fans, if you're going to take a modern-era quarterback who is still in the middle of his career, because guys like Gabe Rivera – Elmer Tarbox, obviously, were not inducted until after their careers were over. Really, even Michael Crabtree. But if you're going to put Patrick Mahomes in the ring of honor when he's going into year six or whatever in the NFL, not even, why is Graham Harrell not in the ring of honor? Because the issue probably was like, well, you know, enough time hasn't gone by or whatever. Graham Harrell was a three-year starter. His career numbers are better than Patrick Mahomes. His bowl record is better than Patrick Mahomes. Now, I get it. You can't attach the same marketability and exposure to a Graham Harrell announcement that you can with Patrick Mahomes. That's my only issue with it, is that clearly the criteria and definitions have changed. And that's okay if you want to make the ring of honor about either or your career at Texas Tech or how much exposure we can get out of you. But, like... Where do you draw the line? And I'm not, of course, making this comparison, but if if Adam Vinatieri went to Texas Tech and nobody even knew it, and then he makes a kick that wins a Super Bowl, does he deserve a spot in the Ring of Honor? Uh, no, 
And I think Danny Amendola was more vocal about being from Texas Tech, but Wes Welker just was not vocal, period. You didn't see anything in Wes Welker's personal life. Should that be counted against him? No. I mean, did, it shouldn't, but... Did Crabtree embrace that? No, but Crabtree... I mean, Crabtree on the field earned it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is, I think... But but here here's what I'm saying also. Uh, Two-time All-American, first blit, first two-time Blitnikoff winner ever, first Texas Tech Blitnikoff winner ever, I believe. I don't think Dave Parks won the Blitnikoff. Um, but there's six guys in the ring of honor, right? There's never going to be another Patrick Mahomes. I think this is a singular case. I'd even be fine with it if they waited till his NFL career was over. And and then if they said, you I know, thought they would, we're going to take into consideration collegiate yeah. and pro career. I would say 100% deserving, but it seems a little bit. I mean, five years into his NFL career, he's the best NFL player that Texas Tech has ever seen. Now, you could argue hard for Zach Thomas in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Thomas is a Hall of Famer in my book, in a lot of people's books, especially the guys that played with him. Kevin Maway in his Hall of Fame speech, uh, Brian Erlacher has been very vocal about how good Zach Thomas was. But NFL MVP, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, all pro teams. I mean, I think you're banking on some replication of his first five and his next five, but is it early? Yes, I think so. But was it going to happen? Yeah, so why wait? I think it's a little bit too obvious and transparent, the reason behind it. And to me... Maybe so. The unfortunate thing is that it... What makes the Ring of Honor special is that it is such an exclusive club. Right. And when you kind of break that barrier... Here's a. Uh, this is. A, but again, who else would go on just because they're. And again, it's not just because he's famous. He was really good here. The, yeah. He just didn't get the individual accolades because the team was so bad. And I think that has to be taken into consideration. And it obviously was. This is no longer a timely example, but several years ago, Dabo Swinney said of his star quarterback, Deshaun Watson, he didn't miss out on the Heisman. The Heisman missed out on him. Right. Now, fast forward to today, I think the Heisman is perfectly glad that they're not associated with Deshaun Watson. Yes. But Patrick Mahomes, with everything he's doing in the NFL, did not need the ring of honor. He did not need that recognition. A guy like Elmer Tarbox, uh, Gabe Rivera, Dave Parks, Zach Thomas, I think do need that distinction. That completes a cornerstone of their career. And I think it makes – it. you can't help but look at – the existing ring of honor a little bit differently and say, okay, they took into consideration different criteria for this guy than they did the first five. Yeah. And moving forward, what does that mean? Well, but again, moving forward, I don't think there's another guy that. What if there's a guy who kind of splits the difference? I mean, because, because until Patrick Mahomes, there was no question what was needed to get into the Texas tech ring of honor. I'll tell you this though. I think it's a lot easier to put Wes Welker in now. And how many guys? Not, how many guys not, are in your ring of honor? Because he was not a. Well, I think you're going to put one in every year. Really? Uh, that's the the basis that you're starting. I don't. I don't think you should do that either. Uh, so, well, I, I guess if you, you had go, one in 2020 and 2021. I guess because Elmer Tarbox died, but 2020, 2021, you didn't have. You had five. Look, if you go a decade in the history of your program, you had four in the history of your program up into Zach Thomas. Yeah, no, if you if you go a decade without anybody being worthy of the honor, then don't give it out. Well, but I but here's the deal. You have two right now, I think. You have two what? Two players that I think should be in. That have who? 
uh, Graham Harrell. Okay. And, and well, I think Wes Welker. Okay. Tracy Saul. Uh, sure. Yeah. Bobby Cavazos. Yeah. Herschel Ramey. But but again, that's Hall of Fame versus Ring of Honor. I'm talking Ring of Honor. Yeah. It, but here's how about Mike Leach? I'm not a, I'm not anti huge Ring of Honor because you're not retiring any numbers. You know what I mean? Sure. Why? I think the Ring of Honor needs to be exclusive. Well, I mean, we're a little past that. <laughs> exclusive? How? I don't think I don't think you need to put one in every year, but you need to be very slow and deliberate to add guys to the you Ring have of been Honor. until the last three years, and you've gone boom, boom, boom. Well, it wasn't created until somewhat recently, correct? Uh, to, well, yeah, to, you had a class in 2012. That was the first class you put three in. Uh, and then in 2014, you put Gabe Rivera. 2016, you put Zach Thomas. And then nobody else until 2020. And then 2020, 2021, 2022, you've all had inductees. All right, I think I think we're on the same page. I really do. I, I want to reiterate to anybody listening who's like, oh, Kyle's a Mahomes hater. I just said he's no, no, the no. greatest player to ever play yes. his position. Right. Ever. Is Patrick Mahomes deserving talent-wise on the Ring of Honor? Yes. But accolades-wise, I don't think he was. And and accolades were a big part of it. He's the only non-All-American. When you, you can say you can say wins aren't a quarterback stat, but fair or not, like it or not, wins are a part of people's legacy. There's a reason why we view Marino and Jim Kelly differently than we view right. Joe Montana and Troy Aikman. Well, and Zach Thomas too. It's not a linebacker stat either, but no, but he elevated a team to a winning record. Right, but uh, Brian Urlacher, Brian Urlacher in the NFL Super Bowl champion, Zach Thomas non Super Bowl champion. One of them's in the Hall of Fame. One of them's not. One of them was year one automatic. Okay. Uh, bottom line, I think both of us are huge Patrick Mahomes fans. Um, I think you a little bit less uh, on the Ring of Honor as a right decision bandwagon. I think it could be a good decision, but I think you should. Uh, it's either yes or no. Well, if the criteria has changed and they acknowledge that, okay, then sure. I don't think there's any criteria look, written out. Look, he's the only guy from Texas Tech who's ever been a Super Bowl MVP. He's the first Big 12 player to win a playoff game as a starting quarterback. So if that's part of it now, pro career, then okay, great. And then well, and and I what, think Wes what, Welker should be in it. And sooner because he played 20 years before. Right. Pat. Yeah, I would put Wes Welker in next year. If, if we're putting him in every year, I, I think Wes Welker's next. I think Tracy Saul before... Uh, I, he's not like old, old. Is he? St- he played in the nineties, right? So I yeah. just want to make sure he's still around. Yeah, as far as I know, <laughs> okay. he should only be like what? I just fifty like, killing people uh, off in my mind. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Southwest Conference four time. Yeah, so. and his teammate Marcus Coleman, three guys from that NFL Zach Thomas career. era. I would put yeah. all three of them. Yeah, and I look, but if the but that's again, if the Ring of Honor is going to be twenty guys again, Hall of Fame versus and, and look, I don't think it's a too deep of a list that we've pretty much cleared them. You know, Bobby Cavazos and and the names we've said that probably deserve it, but you're looking at all Americans. Is that the line? And then maybe pro careers, the bump. Maybe so. I love Patrick Mahomes. So do I. So do I go chiefs, go chiefs, man, go chiefs. All right. Those were our final thoughts. So Kyle,
Love y'all.